So welcome back, everybody. Season two, No Cap Sports Podcast, man. And it's episode number two. And so with that, bro, welcome to the Joe Ingles episode, man. We're going to get straight into it. Josh, hit us with that fire, brother. Thank you, my brother. First of all, uh, I know we like to rag on each other a little, a lot of bit. We talk about each other uh, about as worse as we can. But I do have to commend you and give you a shout out for a big performance this week. Uh, what was it? Seven for one twenty with two tutties. Is that, is that the correct stat line? He made that line. Oh god! Oh god! He just made that up, bro. It was. Well, I, I, I thought I, that's. I swear that's a van sitting in the uh, in the in the group chat. No, I know you had not. two tutties at least. Was it, it was seven? Four. Or Four catches, like 104, two touches, bro. Okay, my bad. I got the two touches part right, but nah, you know, shout out to my man, Nick, holding down for the city. Hey, yo, man. Throwing up his name in the end zone, things like that. Yeah, King of Memphis, which apparently I did not know what that means, which means out of style. Uh, excuse the hoodie. You know, I'll give you a little sneak preview of you know, what's going up under there, but uh, y'all don't even see that because kids watch this and it might be offensive to their heads right now. But nonetheless, coming through with that five. First things first. Um, arguably the greatest Southern hip hop artist of all time, greatest MC in my team, several such a microphone. Um, Lil Wayne just dropped the mix of mixtape. Just dropped the album on October first. Um, and it wasn't a classic. You know, like I said, I think Wayne is one of the, the greatest MCs ever such a mic, the wordplay, the lyricism, the the collaboration, the longevity of his career. You know, all these things are uh, things I take into account when I talk about you know, ranking some of my greatest rappers. But unfortunately, this is a collaboration with um, Rich the Kid, former um, uh, Migos affiliate, uh, did a collaboration album with NBA Youngboy last year. And I'm um, honestly just kind of, is a little kid standing in the way of um, Lil Wayne's greatness on this album. Um, there's a couple songs on here that I, I really like. Um, obviously we know that, not obviously, but Wayne's, um, not production value, but um, quality of music has fallen off just a little bit since, um, you know, obviously like the Carter drops and the things like that. Um, really, with the Sorry for the Wave mixtape, that was probably a, a throwback banger mod off the thriller that I really appreciated. But um, he still is, like I said, when he gets in a booth, it's still a uh, historic musical event. And I just hate that uh, Rich the Kid had to be in, uh, in the way of that. So oh, going yeah, off bro. that. You just don't like music, You mean Wayne in the way of Rich the Kid, bro? I'm good, bro. You acting like Rich the Kid ain't do rich forever. You acting like Rich the Kid ain't raised famous dicks. You acting like Rich the Kid wasn't okay, right, the wave of right music now, for a minute. And I, I was messing with famous dicks back in 2012. 16, 2016, no, 2017. It wasn't that recent. Yes, it was. I, ain't down, I have not downloaded. You were in high school, Josh. I have not famous famous dicks since. Dexter? I say, that was, was that ninth grade? I got the drip on my walk. Was that 2015? I'll give you that. But like it wasn't Dexter, okay, yeah, that was a banger half a decade ago. So, and, and famous Dex is your greatest uh, contribution to the rap game. Then you say to say you haven't done shit. But um, yeah, it is what it is. I think you know, Richard Kid has a, a large following. You know, has over eight million on IG. Like I said, did has done a album with two of the biggest Louisiana artists ever within the past 18 months. But um yeah, it doesn't do it for me. So uh, shout out Wayne, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna drop a big L in the chat for Richard Kid messing the Wayne's album. On to the next, Rich uh Rich Kid. Tired of talking about him off. Rich off point two, Iceberg Vezo. One of my favorite. I hate to call him upcoming artists just because he's been consistently making good music for about what two three years now. 
Um, but this is kind of, um, I wouldn't say it's coming out party, just a, a continuation of really good music that he's been putting out. Um, he just dropped this, I guess it was called a mixtape because he just dropped Rich Out Pines one late May, May 29th to be exact. And um, I'm messing with him. I like, like I said before on this program, some of the, the other co-hosts that uh, I host this show with aren't appreciative of real rap and true bars. And that's some, something that I think that Vezo has in the, I won't talk about you, bro. I won't talk about you. No, don't worry about no, it. No, no, no. Who are you talking about? Icewear Vezo. Y'all know who that is? Who? Detroit Icewear Vezo. Hyper. He's from Detroit, huh? Yeah, he, there we go, Nick. Come on, Nick. We can't, you can't allow me and Nick to be having the same. I still haven't listened to the tape, though. I just, I just know who he is. I wasn't saying I didn't nah. do shit like that. Is this a black man? A Negro? <laughs> yeah, he's a, yes, brother. He's a black man from Detroit. You know, he did songs of Future. He got songs with Big 30. He got a, a, a song here with Bag. That I'm not the biggest fan of, honestly. I think Vezo kind of ran him off of the the beat a little bit, but this is uh this is more of his thing. A lot of the beats are very Detroit centric, had that uh, distinct Midwest sound, and uh, the producer for I think the last his last three albums is a uh, Cash Out, which is I uh, just hilarious to me because the the sounds and the makeup, you know, ride with that man. Keisha smoking on key that that Cash Out. Well, oh. No. Yeah, that dude is the producer for Ice Revenge. So, um, definitely somebody that I've been training for a long time. Um, that Tear the Club Up, he did with Future on his last album, is in the top 10 of my 2021 replayed as well. And um, it's just a solid banger. I'm very disappointed in your lack of knowledge about his band. No, week. his name. Maybe I'm not hearing you right. I mean, it's a unique name, brother. Ice Wear Vezo is not too many people with, you know, that's got a similar name. He's a Detroit dude, bro. Like, I mean, he's not super popping right now. I guess I'm kind of, I'm putting you on something I do a lot with my musical. Um, yeah, send me a song. Please send me a song. Maybe figure I'll... face, figure face, Nick. But um, he's just somebody I'm really rocking with. Like I said, the, the flow, the rap, the beat is all very, um, no, the Midwest has a, its own distinct distinct sound, and a lot of the young artists coming up right there, right right now in that uh, in that part of the country, you got uh, Babyface Ray, Rio DeYoung OG, Free Rio, still got guys like T Grizzly, Eminem, who? Licking my balls. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't even want to continue no more. That's crazy. And that's not fair because we had this. And it's not getting cut because it was funny. Wow. That's tough. That's really tough. He got me with that sick great ass joke. Damn. This is not going well for me. I'm tired today. Last thing before I, I exit the screen, I can cry because of the mean comment that Vance made to me. Expensive Pain by Meek Mill. Um, I mean, for the longest time, I think that Meek Mill was focused on rehabilitating his career as an uh, upstanding citizen in the United States of America. I think his legal troubles were well documented and known, and you know, the whole free Meek Mill movement and him hanging out with a rich white NBA basketball owner to like kind of recertify, legitimize his image. Um, I definitely kind of helped. Um, unfortunately, none of those people could help him in the booth. Um, just quick run quick rundown of this album before. We hop on here. I mean, Meek Mill is kind of, you know, what you see is what you get. You're going to get the alliteration. He's kind of, you know, he's going to have the bar. He's going to have the energy. But it's just, you know, you, you have to you have to definitely be in a certain mood to listen to Meek. 
um, you know, the, the stuff that he did on the album with the R&B cover, Kalani and Brent Fiaz, two of my favorite R&B artists, two of the biggest R&B artists in this country right now, um, absolutely horrible. He just kind of adopted, I guess he just had like a throwaway verse, a throwaway verses for those tracks and just laid it over um, the singing and the melody that they produced, and it definitely didn't fit at all. So um, just based off that, that kind of turned out a little bit. Uh, Thug watched him on his uh, on the track that they put together. Meek Mill with the auto tune, definitely not a big fan of. Hope he loses that quick, fast, and hurry. And um, yeah, I'm at the. It was it was definitely for me six out of five to seven out of ten highest for me. Um, Rolling Stone gave it a three out of five. Maybe I can sit with it a little bit later, or you know, before a game or something, you know, to where I need to be a little bit more intense. But for right now, Meek. Um, album is not getting this done for me. But I do want to take a step back and just acknowledge how far he has came in terms of his career rehabilitation efforts. Because I mean, when did he beat with Drake? What year was that? Bro? We was in high school. That was 2015, 2016. A lot of people assumed that Meek's career was going to be over. And then, you know, following that was how, you know, Drake kind of dissipated him in that, in that little thing. Um, his legal troubles, you know, were, I mean, commenting obviously, I don't have the highest grade on his album right now, but him to for him to come back out, reestablish himself as a, a top top earning artist. Even I think he topped the, the Apple Music Billboard charts with a, a like pre ads, pre release ads, or something like that. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of his album, but we must acknowledge a black man that has overcome a ton of adversity and has fought back to uh, most of the game is fighting the rap game. So shout out to Meek Mill, not for the album, but for what you've done in the culture. Uh, that's all I got. All right, so now we're going to get into the episode for real. And I got to start with a special versus, bro. So here we go, bro. Player A, 14.3 points, NBA players. Player A averaged 14.3 points, 10.1 field goal attempts, shooting 55.7% from the field with 6.9 assists, 7.2 rebounds, and 1.2 steals. Player B, on the other hand, averaged 11.9 points on 7.9 shots, shooting 62% from the field with 8.8 assists, 7.9 rebounds, and 1.3 steals. So looking at this, which player would you rather have, player A or player B? Uh, Just because I like the field goal percentage and uh, the assist numbers is up by uh, by two assists, I'm going to take player B. Mm. Black I, the points are down, but the assists would count for four to six points. So that that'll bring them above uh player A. Uh, same reasoning for me. I'm talking about what 14, 7, and 7. That's approaching, you know, nightly triple double status. Um, so I'll take player B as well. So just so y'all know, player A is Ben Simmons during the regular season in 2021. Player B is Ben Simmons during the postseason in 2021. And both of y'all picked postseason Ben Simmons in that versus. So yeah, now, bro. What does that say about us? I don't know. Bro, what does it say about Ben? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bro. Because, I mean, we all know, bro, he's asked to be traded out of Philadelphia. We saw how the whole situation went after their second-round loss in the playoffs to the Hawks. Doc Rivers even said that he didn't know the answer to that when he was asked if Ben Simmons could be a championship-level point guard. So just what do y'all think about this whole Ben Simmons asking to be traded, Philadelphia not trading him situation? 
here's the thing, you know, there's a reason why Ben Simmons, you know, his game has been not a reason. His game has not evolved since essentially Philadelphia drafted him, and yet with these obvious holes in his game and the way that his uh, play style has inhibited, you know, Philadelphia's running their championship. There's a reason why he's still with the roster currently. You don't find guys that are nearly seven foot that can handle the ball. You don't find you don't find guards nowadays that are fully committed on the defensive end of the floor and can hold and are defensive player of your candidate. And you don't find guys that have the elite core vision and are willing to, you know, in a league right now where, you know, scoring is a size, that are willing to facilitate, you know, run run the offense, make uh make your teammates better essentially. So those three things are undeniably strengths of Ben Simmons that characterize him as an off-level player, somebody that still has the potential to be a franchise pillar. And to be, I will see, from my uh, view, has the potential to be the best player on a championship team. That so, being said. You, 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 wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa, you said whoa. Ben Simmons can be the best player on a championship team. He has, he has the potential to, yes, most definitely. I mean, he it's didn't even take LSU to the to the tournament. I'm just saying, at the very best version of that we can envision in Ben Simmons, if, if Ben Simmons gets and shoots 35 percent from three, he can't be the best player on a championship team. Like, what are we talking about here? I know there. Are, you, know, you know, he, he has to he has to actually shoot threes first before I he can shoot 35 percent. Bro, I understand that. Let me get to my next point, uh, Kenneth Reed. I got you, bro. I'm just saying right now, right. there are certain things that we have to do. I mean, there, there are big steps that I have to take, obviously, to make that assumption. But, I mean, at his absolute peak, yeah, I can see him being the best player in the championship team. How However, far that, from his peak, though? I mean, how he was 27? He's 25. He's 25. That's my next – my bad. That was just my next thing. You know, he's, what, six years into his turn with Philadelphia. We've – Marginal improvement. Philadelphia has done, you know, a great, I would say, a great job organizationally in terms of trying to minimize his weakness, his weaknesses, and uh, put a championship, championship level roster of uh, shooters and uh, floor spaces around him. And yet, nothing has changed. Not only has nothing changed, he's actually regressed in terms of his um, ability to take over the game offensively and to, uh, to mesh well with uh, Joel and B. So at this point, this is just a, a good old-fashioned um, holdout something that we don't see a lot with a guy under, uh, you know, multiple years of his contract, simply refusing to come and report and um, acting like this is the last year of his deal. And I think that for right now, his, his uh, trade value is at rock bottom. I think it, uh, has, it bottomed him out after he refused to take that shot, that easy dunk in the playoff versus Atlanta. And uh, with the dissension and uh, the reports coming out about different uh, trade packages that uh, Derek Moore is turning down, it's – um having his options, his options are becoming fewer and fewer about what the, actually he can get back from Ben Simmons. So, you know, the combination of those two factors, Ben Simmons' regression offensively, and um, I would say some of the volatile trade market for him, it's going to make this situation as bad as it is, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, bro, first of all, Ben Simmons isn't even a top five international player in the NBA right now. <laughs> That's not, I don't even think that's a hot take, bro. I think that's just facts, bro. You go down the list, Giannis, Luka, Embiid, Jokic. Give me Gobert over him. I mean, honestly, that's five players right there. So, with this being said, bro, he needs to stop acting like a light skin. You know, he needs to He need to tough up. Honestly, that's all it is. Toughen up, bro. People, people going to talk about you your whole life, bro, just because you don't like how your teammates 
the coach talking about you, bro. If you want out, bro, that's okay, but be a professional about it. I don't uh, skip in practice. That's not okay, bro. Just go to practice. That's all you got to do is show up. You can do individual drills. I promise you, they do not care. All you got to do is show up to the practices, show up to the games. They will trade you. They will give you what you want. He's acting like a little baby. Yeah, bro. and I, I think he brought this on himself, in my opinion, bro. Because I gave y'all his playoff numbers in the verses. But if you just look at that last series versus Atlanta, he only averaged nine points, shooting six field goals per game, 59% from the field. Like, And I, like, and I, I bet you if, you if you look at the stats skewed in the fourth quarter, bro, I bet you it's probably the worst in the, in the NBA. Yes, bro, because we both saw it without – well, we all saw it with our own eyes, bro. They were fouling him. He was scared to go to the free throw line. He didn't want the ball in his hands. And part of that is Doc Rivers taking the ball out of his hands in those crucial moments. Well, part of that has been not being aggressive with the ball in his hands. And like Josh said, he has the potential to be an all-world player. Every player in the NBA has that potential. But potential doesn't mean shit if you don't do nothing with it. And so far, Ben Simmons hasn't done anything with it. You look at the 76 team, it is constructed not for Ben Simmons. It's constructed for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to be successful in Philadelphia. If you just look at this team, Simmons is really what makes it go. Because we've, we've talked about it before with Jokic. You can't have a good big and not a good guard. It just doesn't work that way. You can't mm-hmm. be successful in the NBA. And I think Ben Simmons is, he's a good player. He is. Three-time All-Star, two-time All-Defense selection. He's only 25. Only 25. So I don't think I don't think it's right for him to no longer for him to no longer want to be a part of this organization when this organization has put so much into him. Think about when they drafted him, he had to sit out a year. They worked with him to get him back on the court, get him acclimated, get him a team around him to win. He's part of the process, and now the process is time to, you know, it's time to turn the process in and win, and you don't want to be there no more. I just don't understand. Being a baby. Has there been a guy with more physical talent since we have all started watching basketball that has, um, has been less aggressive and less um, no. has, has, field, has, has as much underfield potential as Ben Simmons? No, bro. It's, it's just, it is mind-boggling. I think uh, this is actually probably a product of the the era that we're in right now. Talking about the player empowerment era, um, you know, like I said, you know, this is actually a, 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 a knock them out, drag them out type of holdout with him using the force of care. But we've seen, you know, multiple examples of guys, you know, forcing their way out of situations with uh, multiple years left on their deal. So while Ben Simmons is taking it to the extreme, and I think that this um, relationship is very is probably the most tenuous out of the uh, the star organizational relations that we have out there. This is not something that's entirely new or entirely foreign to the NBA right now, where guys crying and complaining about the situation that they're in, in which a large part of them, a large part is them, you know, the construction of the situation being of their women needs, and yet still have been able to force their way out and um, you know, maneuver, basically set franchises back for, you know, decades because of, you know, I would say their inability to come up clutch or inability to fulfill their um the end of the bargains for these teams and their contracts. But um, I mean, it's the president. You talk about Kawhi. You talk about James Harden. You know, this is you know I just think this is the latest and nastiest evolution of these these uh these star organizational um relationships. Uh, if you look at the Ben Simmons situation, he's taking more of an NFL uh, approach to getting himself out of Philadelphia. 
because you remember the James Harden situation, the Kawhi situation. These guys showed up to camp. Uh, what they did was limited, of course, because Kawhi, you know, he had the injury. Nobody knows if it was actually an injury or not. James Harden was there. He was still playing games for the Rockets, even though they might not have been his best performances. But Ben Simmons has refused to show up, period. And because of that, the 76ers have taken the money he was owed, $8.25 million, put it into an escrow account. And starting uh, Monday, yesterday, uh, with the beginning of the preseason, he's going to see a permanent financial hit for his decision to stay away from the team. For every pre- and regular season game missed, that's $360,000 that will be deducted from that escrow account that he can't get back. And if he misses all four preseason games, that's $1.4 million lost for Ben Simmons. Now these guys are NBA professionals. He's made plenty of money in his career, yes. But if he continues to sit out, that's money lost and money lost and money lost. So that's looking at it Exactly. So looking at it like that, how do y'all think the situation shakes out? Do y'all think he's going to stay on the roster until the start of the regular season, or do you think he gets traded soon? Oh, man, bro, that's, that's too much money lost. Eventually, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin his pockets, bro. He's going to have to come back in and play some games. I feel, But the thing is, he has the talent to, to do whatever he wants. Literally, if he just got his shots up and stopped being a baby, he literally could be Giannis. He could be Luka Doncic if he wanted a better version of Luka. Luke is inefficient from the three-point line. Yeah, you saying slow down, but if he was if he was aggressive, bro, he would be a better version of Luka Doncic. Offensively, he plays better defense than Luka. He'll be on the same level as Giannis, probably a top five player. But I mean, that, that's too much money lost, bro. He's gonna at least have to show up for the games and the practices. I just want to say quickly, I guess before we transition off this topic, you know, this is. You know, the second high-profile case we've seen with Philadelphia and um, them having, I guess, some some developmental issues with number one overall pick. I obviously remember the, the Markel Fultz situation to where his um, he's averaged, what, 24, 25 points a game at Washington. Looked like a Kyrie Irving clone, in my opinion. And what, you know, you got a draft with a Tatum. And I don't know what was in that draft. But out of Tatum, Ingram, you know, those guys, he was, you know, seemed to be the clear-cut number one overall guy. And um, then he started to shoot like Michael Kidd Gilchrist and nobody ever really figured out what happened to him. Then he gets to Orlando, seems to be kind of working his way through things. So my my biggest thing for uh, Philadelphia is looking at their developmental staff, how they, they develop high-end talent. Even with Embiid, you know, obviously he had an injury history coming in, but he still missed up. He, he has endured injuries with Philadelphia, and there it's called the question about how well that staff is taking care of him and um, Head up into the bargain, meaning that he's a, a franchise player. So I will look, you know, I think it's some, some self reflecting time around Philadelphia. You know, you know, That's Sam Hinkie, you know, started the, the whole Tankathon uh, solution to, to end uh, Philadelphia's mediocrity. And it, it had, it did what it was supposed to do, uh, not attractive, but, you know, garnered Philadelphia high in talent, made them championship contenders, and put them in a position to where they can compete at the highest level in the NBA. And from the looks of it, talking about just those two particular situations, Fulton and Ben Simmons, it seems like Philadelphia has squandered away, you know, decades of high-level basketball and championship, you know, contention and titles. I mean, they've been contending. They've been in the, the final four of the, the NBA playoffs what, a couple of times. But it just seems like, you know, almost like a situation where you would look back with OKC when they had that uh, – that, that Russ, KD, Serge Ibaka, James Harden uh, quartet, 
And uh, we'll just look back and, and say what could have been if situations would have been different. Main did everything but answer that question. All right. Oh, God. So we're going to move on. Well, keep talking I'm, about I'm, I'm <laughs> we're gonna move on. We're gonna keep talking about Ben Simmons. Because now we're gonna get into some potential trade packages. So one of the big reasons why Ben Simmons hasn't been moved yet has been Philadelphia's high asking price for Ben Simmons. They started out uh negotiations asking for a minimum of four first round picks and an all-star level player. And the 76 have even said they're comfortable with Ben Simmons being on the roster for the start of the 22 season. So looking at this, what would y'all say Ben Simmons' value is in a trade right now? Um, I, I mean, four first-rounders, that's kind of high. I mean, he is a all-star guy in the promise career now, but that's still just a little bit too high in terms of getting back a current all-star and you will be mortgaging what you would see at four first-rounders, four starting caliber-level guys. So that was always a little bit, you know, unrealistic from my circumstance. But I will say right now for what Ben Simmons is, like I said, an all-star in the primary career, an all-star plus um, a first-rounder at the very minimal, or I'll say an all-star and a your team best young prospect, I would definitely say that's, that should be the that should be the bar. Mm, uh, if you're looking, considering Philadelphia's a position right now and they're in win-now mode, definitely need an all-star. You can't just trade for potential for you in win-now processes here but um just going into it here here's a here's a team here I, i'm gonna give y'all two teams bro that i believe would be in a perfect position to trade for them actually i'm gonna give you a versus right now like you said nick you told us uh ben simmons stats 14 uh seven and seven here's a player that i think uh that, that can match his stats be just as good and be perfect for that system because he's not going to be scared to score he averaged 20 points seven rebounds and three i mean seven assists and three rebounds he was in a Western Conference. Anybody want to take a guess who he is? He's a player that, that wants to be traded. Um, He's a guard. Zach Levine? Oh. said Western Conference. Bro. I'm sure. Buddy Hill? Nope. Hmm. I don't know. Our point guard. He's not a Fox, huh? Nope. No, he was at 25 or 70. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I don't know. The new stats gonna surprise you. I want to hear it. Yeah. Perfect, perfect team, perfect situation. Not scared to score. Give me John Wall and Eric Gordon. John Wall was the player with the stats from the Rockets. Ooh. I think it'd be a good situation for both players to finally get John Wall a chance to win now. Instead of they've been they've been giving him fake chances in Washington. They didn't really give him a fair shot in Houston. Shift away Harden. But then again. Next team I'm gonna go with is uh the Brooklyn Nets, bro. Straight up for Kyrie. I know Kyrie's gonna has the uh COVID vaccination situation going on, and New York is gonna have to miss a lot of games. In Philly, he can play just at least 75. So I'm I, I'm gonna go with those two: John Wall and Eric Gordon for Ben Simmons, uh, in Houston, or you can go with uh Brooklyn Kyrie for uh Ben Simmons. Straight up, I believe Ben Simmons will be able to fit with two scores and Harden and uh KD. And I think those two would be good. I think that's an interesting combo. Putting Simmons in there with KD and Harden, you know, doesn't have to worry about floor space and can just do what he does. But last question before we circle back to Kyrie, without Simmons, 
do y'all think the 76ers are still a contender in the East? Looking at a potential starting lineup of Tyrese Maxey, a combination of Seth Curry, Danny Green, and Matisse Thibault, Tobias Harris, who uh, who's a very good NBA player, and Joel Embiid. No. No, not at all. I don't, even, I don't even think that's the top four. I mean, they got to – if Joel will be the star, I don't, I don't even think that's the top four seed right there. Awesome. Yeah, you need a guard, star guard. You, know, you got a bunch of guys that was good in college. Embiid's that guy. Don't, don't get it twisted. He's still – Embiid's that guy. They'll get the second round. That They seem like, you know, a watered-down Eastern Common version of the Nuggets, honestly, with that roster makeup. And they don't – and I will say, I will say Michael Porter Jr. right now over Tobias Harris, so – I don't. I don't think that's a team that. I mean, you said second round fans. I would want to see who they get in the four or five matchup. Being around, they will. They will probably cheat around that uh, area. But no, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be scared of that team whatsoever. Okay, so circling back to Kyrie and a point that Vanish made earlier. If he remains with the Nets, he'll be unable to attend home practices, home games, and play in San Francisco or against the Knicks. So, what do you guys think Brooklyn should do with this whole Kyrie situation? You go first, man, just because I got a multiple different thoughts that I, I want to get off. Uh, I think they should – I would definitely keep him, but if the vaccine rules are still the same around the trade deadline, you got to trade him. You have to. Because at that point, it's just like you can't – he can't – he won't be able to play. If he gets to the trade deadline on vaccinated and they still have the same rules, he can't play in the playoff games, bro. So he'll be missing half the series. Let's just say, uh, let's say they they are a force a, a two or three seed. Then they gotta travel to Milwaukee and play without Kyrie. I mean, they can win with Harden and KD, possibly, maybe. But it's like, uh, you gonna come home to uh, Brooklyn and Kyrie can't play. If you split, if you split wherever they go to uh, Milwaukee, they split in Miami, they split in Philly, they they split in Atlanta, bro. It's gonna be a lot tougher when you go home. And you can't you can't play two games without Kyrie, maybe three if they get to six games. So uh, I keep them to the trade deadline, and if the rules still apply, bro, you gotta ship them. Mm. Um, I'm saying Kyrie Irving. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I really like the uh, the idea that Vance put out there trading him for Ben Simmons. That was an angle that I never really had considered. And honestly, I would be I would be willing to get less value for Kyrie Irving than. With uh, whatever there are more receipts of Ben Simmons, you know the the issue of the vaccine has become really uh, politicized and it's become kind of a, a line of demarcation in the sand of you know reasonable, unreasonable, intelligent, non-intelligent things like that. A lot of topics that we don't really broach on this podcast. So I'll just show you the the boredom of it. But at the end of the day, Kyrie Irving is an employee of the National Basketball Association. And um, like any company out there, they have rules and regulations regarding you know, COVID-19, you know, and have set, you know, standards about what their players need to be doing. And, you know, some of the ramifications financially and also with availability in terms of not being vaccinated. You know, I don't think this is a case to where anybody was caught off guard with it or they're singling out Kyrie or he's, um, they're trying to make, hold, him, hold him up as a, a polar child or this is what happens to, happens to unvaccinated players. He is just simply, you know, like what you said with the Ben Simmons situation, being a big baby about it. I, can, I, I understand that he has the right to not be vaccinated. I understand that he may or may not feel unsafe about the vaccination for whatever point or for whatever reason, which may or may not, doesn't really make sense to me at this point. But at the end of the day, if you have a guy 
an all-star on your team that you know right now is guaranteed to miss half of your games, in any other situation besides a, a vaccination debate, would he not be on the, 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 the market right now, especially in Brooklyn, where he's a guy that's your third option? Like you said, man, you can go out and win a playoff series or two, and Brooklyn was very close to winning, um, with being in, in the NBA Finals, if Kevin Durant's win is a size, what, 13 instead of 15? So this team has already proven that it's, uh, you're not necessary, you're not uh, a necessity for long-term success for them. And I think that, you know, combining some of the things that Kyrie has said in the past, that he's done in the past, some of the questionable reasons that he's missed time and has been had out of practice and just and generally not been in one accord with the next organization, I would be fed up with Kyrie. I think that for as, as talented as a basketball player he is, probably the best one-on-one score that we have in the game right now. With the talent that Brooklyn has, he's not worth the, he's not worth the headache. He's not worth, you know, when you have two top ten guys in James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Yeah, three, bro. Not, they got Patty Mills. Don't disrespect them like that. If this is the Olympics, I would agree with you, brother. But unfortunately, it's not. So, with, you know, I don't think that, you know, it's time to get Kyrie out of there. He obviously, I'm just saying, he seems to be a guy that's headstrong. He believed in the earth being flat for way longer than what he was supposed to be as a grown-ass man. And I just think that, you know, with the we know that this is not a black and white world. These are all different types of shades of gray. If this is a different team, you know, if he was on the off on the team, I think it would be a different situation. If he was, you know, even if he was in Cleveland with LeBron needing to be that, you know, the Chris Middleton to LeBron Giannis, I still think that he would be he would still be way too valuable in terms of being traded away for um, this reason. But it would still be a debate. But on this team, in this situation, and uh, the point that we're at in our society, where, you know, I think, what did uh, Adam Silver said with 90%, 95% of the league is vaccinated. Um, I don't, there's, Kyrie just seems to be holding up the, the, the end of the, the, holding up cooperation and um, this, this net team just for the fun of it, honestly. Let, me, let me ask you this, bro. Are your morals too high to get vaccinated for $34 million? Are my morals too high to, to not get vaccinated? There's, there's not a lot of things I won't do for $34 million. I'll just say Thanks. that. You know, Thanks. it's a shot, my boy. It's a shot. You Thanks. got vaccinated. You had to get vaccinated to go to school. You had to get vaccinated to do all different types of things. To You feel me? To participate in Little League basketball, football, do all, you know, I'll, I'll get off that topic. But at the end of the day, if your third option was at this point guaranteed to miss all of your home games, he would be out of there, no questions asked, if his name was not Kyrie Irving. So I think that the name recognition and the uh, star status that he has is definitely helping him out. But I'm sick of it, honestly. He's been kind of a kind of been a, a distraction for the team for far too long. Yeah. I, th- I think you bring up a good point, but at the end of the day, what's Kyrie Irving we're talking about? He's a top three-point guard in the league. And we shown, he's shown how important he is to that Brooklyn team. At the end of the day, he's the point guard of that team. He runs that team, facilitates for the other two guys, makes sure that, you know what I'm saying, everybody gets theirs in a way. I think we kind of saw that when he went down in the Bucks series. Those first two games were blowouts. And you want to know why? Kyrie was playing. Kyrie nice. was doing his thing. Kyrie goes down, and we see how the series changes. Yes, James Harden went down, too. But Kyrie, I believe, had a bigger impact on that series than he's given credit for. And so I think I, I think it's tough. You know, you don't want to tell a guy he has to get vaccinated. 
And it's something that I think he has to come to on his own. But I think he's just coming to it with a Republican way of thinking. Like they said, he's been liking all these conspiracy posts, all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not going to dig too much into that. But my thing is, Kyrie, you're a hooper. Just hoop, bro. Get the vaccine. Like Josh said, you got to get a vaccine to go to school. you got to get a vaccine to keep everybody in that locker room safe. Make sure the NBA stays safe so we, they can have a full season. Just get the vaccine. Play the game. And there will be no problem. We wouldn't even be debating each other. You, you too, Andrew Wiggins. Go do that. Andrew Wiggins got, did it. Wiggins did it. Man. Oh, he, he got vaccinated? Yeah. Yes, he got vaccinated. Yeah, I was bullied him. I like that. I mean, yeah. Bro, you're you're talking about missing. You're automatically cutting out in in, in San Francisco and in, in New York half of your game. Half of your game. You're not, and practice. You, carry a, you can't practice at home either. You wouldn't carry That's how you get hurt. Exactly. Like, let me ask y'all this. I mean, yeah, Kyrie Irving, top three point guard in the NBA right now. Um, whatever, whatever close your bro, bro. Like, you operate to the one, but whatever. You know, what? how big of a drop off in this team do we really see if we replace Kyrie Irving with, you know, another uh, borderline all star guy like Kyle Lowry? Like, what, what, what is the real drop off when we see getting back? Um, what, 70, 75% of Kyrie Irving's production just for a guy that's willing and able to get a shot? Like, what, what's the trade-off there? 10 wins, maybe? Five wins? They, 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 they would win the finals with Kyle Lowry, I think. Uh, with uh, the finals with Mike Conley, maybe. Malcolm Brogdon, like guys that are, you know, are just a tier below him, but just mm. don't bring the headache. I, I, think, I think a big part of this you're missing is the chemistry. Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn because he wanted to play with Kyrie. Facts. James Harden went to Brooklyn because he wanted to play with Kyrie and KD. Had, had they had they spoken about that? Not that I know of. I haven't seen anything. Me neither. Way, way too hot button for them to get in trouble with that. But here, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he a grown man. He can make his own grown man decisions. So. And that is what it is at the end of the day. But we can still talk about your ass. <laughs> so while we're talking about the NBA, ESPN recently dropped their top 100 NBA players. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through ESPN's top 10 list right now. At number 10, I got James Harden. Number nine, Anthony Davis. Number eight, Dane Lillard. Number seven, Joel Embiid. Number six, Nikola Jokic. Number five, Steph Curry. Four Luca, three LeBron, two Giannis, and one Kevin Durant. Now ESPN did leave off guys who are going to be injured for the majority of the season, guys like Kawhi Leonard. So just take that into consideration. But I gotta ask you guys, who are your top five players uh, heading into this 2022 season? Okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna give it in order, and uh, just like ESPN didn't include him, I didn't include Kawhi. Kawhi would have been my number five. So, number one, I'm going to have to go with LeBron James, the king, the goat, you know, anything and everything. Number two, I'm going to go with Kevin Durant, bro. Say that the best scorer in the world, best scorer possibly of all time. Number three, I'm going to have to go with. As a guy that's uh, an admitted Bronx sexual, it, it kind of pains me to read this list, but I'll do it anyway. Um, number one, Kevin Durant. You know, obviously we've seen, you know, he had a more talented team than LeBron, but uh, still, first round exit. Doesn't sit too well with me. I know him, AD. I'm gonna, you know, get back and then they have, you know, uh, a partly uh, rec center uh, aged roster. 
And um, I think he can definitely reclaim the number one spot, you know, with next season with a strong uh, kind of a bounce back performance by his standards. But for right now, Kevin Durant, best basketball player in the world, best scorer, um, highest ceiling, can do the most things on the basketball court at this very moment. Number two, LeBron James, you know, best back in my eyes that I've ever seen such a basketball. Number three, which actually would be pretty, it's pretty crazy to consider that a you know, final MVP and a record setter right now is uh, an MVP. But uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> seems to be the new age evolution of Shaq. You know, 75% uh, from the field in the finals is crazy as hell. And, I mean, it's not the same length as Ben Simmons, but it's a jump shot away from me, undoubtedly, at the top of this list. Number four, Steph Curry. Um, like, like Van said, best shooter we've ever seen. The true game breaker, somebody that, you know, is much see TV when he gets on a roll from outside. And uh, again, kind of somebody in a similar situation to LeBron that's um, coming off a down year. Obviously, you know, both me and Memphis guys, they are. Uh, I'm just talking about team success. Not okay. Uh, you know, just. Let's uh, say he led the league in scoring. My bad. My bad. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, we get guys, at this level, I don't even think we're, we're going to be discussing guys and individual um, ability. I think they're, these, all of these guys that we're talking about are going to be ranked about how far they can lead their team. So, yeah, I just think that on this list right here, he's the only guy on this um, – when you see uh, you see people talk, tweeting about Steph Curry or you see the little fire emoji that Bleacher Report puts up, he's, he's talking about, you got to find a TV screen, you got to go to Twitter, you got to see the highlights, yada, yada, yada. Um, number five, I will see your um, Joel Embiid and Ray Joel and Nikola Jokic as the reigning league MVP. Um, I know I made this comparison before on this podcast. Got uh, really shitted on for it. Really don't care. New evolution of uh, Larry Bird, somebody that can do everything um, on a basketball court at, at a high level, pass, shoot. You know, I'm a big guy. I'm a big fan of somebody that can make their teammates better. Um, you know, doesn't offer the defensive the defensive rim protection of a Joel Embiid, but that offensive ceiling and the way he's pushed, he squeezed every ounce of talent out of that, that Denver team. Um, that gives me the slight edge over him, over Embiid. So, yeah, that's me. That's cute. That was cute. So before I get started, before I get started, I'm gonna let y'all know LeBron isn't on my list. He's playing the season at age 37. I just don't think he's a top five player in the NBA anymore. And we saw that in the playoffs. So number one on my list, number one on my list is Paul George, best player in the NBA by far. Uh, revitalized his career this year in the playoffs. I'm just kidding. My number. <laughs> I'm about to lead too. That's crazy. <laughs> I ain't even gonna lie to you. Go off, bro. I, I was just kidding, bro. I was just kidding. Uh, <laughs> hope you come back. <laughs> you wrote it, pissy P number one. <laughs> that Paul George, the one that got that Paul George. My, my fault, bro. All right, bro. So for real, my real number one, Kevin Durant, best scorer in the NBA, put a team on his back, did it throughout the playoffs. My number two. Is Luka Doncic, man. Stop, stop the cap, bro. He's just talking that Doncic, man. No, bro, but did, did you hear his number two, Josh? No, I, I, number one, it was it was too much. No, me. he was playing. He said KD, but listen to his number two. But he was my, for real. My number okay. two is Luka Doncic. He's the future of the NBA. He's the, <laughs> I'm just trying to tell y'all, bro. I'm trying to tell y'all. Luka Doncic is the second best player in the NBA. I ain't getting off. Second best player. Not right now. Look, Not right now. 
led, led Dallas to the fifth seed with Tim Hardaway Jr. as the second best player in the West. In the West, we talking about. My number three player is Giannis. I had to give him his flowers, finals MVP, dominant, uh, led the NBA in free throw attempts, got to get those free throw percentage numbers up. And he, you know, shooting 63% of his, hold on, shooting 45% of his shots in the painted area. That's impressive. With number four, I got Nikola Jokic, NBA MVP, 16 triple doubles, led the league in play, player efficiency rating, win shares, and box plus minus. That guy's a beast. And number five, Wardell, Stephen Curry, best shooter in the league, led the league in scoring. I think he's gonna come back with the vengeance and the whole Warriors will. This so, you, so, so you would rather have Luka Doncic than Stephen Curry? He actually yeah. said that. And you would rather have Luka Doncic than LeBron James? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would take that over. I mean, nah, I'm not that's not my wrong list. I'd have had some bad takes. I mean, admittedly, have had some bad takes on this show. That might, that might be. You said he's the second best player in the, in the NBA. And I'm just saying, man, it's time for y'all to put some respect on Luka, bro. I'll bring it back. I can say within I mean, I a can... couple of years, I would go lead toward that logic, you know, but just some of the defensive limitations right now. And like Vance, I think you put it out earlier, his inefficient, inefficiency from three, um, I just really wouldn't put them up there. Just talking okay. about it. No. Two things. Two things. He's a killer, bro. Two things about Luca. Two things about Luca. We talk about shot percentages reflecting shot selection. Luca takes a lot of bad shots. He has no choice. He is the offense in uh in Dallas. He led the NBA in usage percentage, bro. He's the most used player in the NBA. So based on what you're saying, bro, well, where's Trey Young at? He played his team in the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. Mm. He, 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 in that ten, he in that 10 to 15. Same draft. Top 10? Yeah, he in that, right now? He, I said Trey Young is in that 10 to 15 range. Oh, okay. That's but Luka is, Luka is a do-it-all guy, like I said. But at the NBA, he still put up 27 points. And as a matter of fact, Brad, I would be okay if I switched Giannis and Luka on my list, put Giannis at two, Luka at three. But there's no way I'm taking Luka outside of my top three players for 2022. He's one of those guys, and I think he will continue to build steam on his performance last year. The only reason I'm not giving y'all a flag for Jokic over Embiid is because Embiid is probably going to be hurt at some point in the season while Jokic is going to be healthy. It doesn't even matter. Full health, full health, I'm taking Jokic over Embiid. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. If Embiid didn't get hurt, he would, he should have won MVP. Thanks. I just gave mm-hmm. Jokic the nod because he did win MVP last year. Damn, he did. I mean, he the did. best part of – oh, my God. That's crazy. Prayers up to PV. Um, I mean, being able to be on the court and being available is a skill. And that's one that Jokic has in abundance, and Joel LeBee seems to struggle with. So, so anyway, we didn't kind of talked about our list a little bit. But now I think we should look at ESPN's list, reflect back on it, and see – who is overrated on ESPN's list and who is underrated? So I want to start out with who's overrated. And I guess I'll start it out. Carl Anthony Towns. I just I just don't like that guy. I don't know why, bro. Like everybody loves Carl Anthony Towns. I, I just like why. Like I get it. He, you know, averages 24 and 10. Nice. That's cute. But what does he do for me as a big man? He don't do nothing on defense. The Wolves had a defensive rating of 114.7. 
which is terrible. He's outside of the top 20 in win shares, only contributing 5.4. And he hasn't been able to contribute to winning yet in Minnesota, despite them putting some nice teams together. So I just I just don't see all the hype behind Carl Anthony Towns. I think he's a good player, don't get me wrong. But a top 25 player in the league, I, I'm not exactly sold on that. I mean, it, it shouldn't be no surprise who I'm going to go with, bro. Most overrated player on this list is Christopher Paul, number 13. I don't think he's a top 15 player in the NBA. Uh, just looking at this list, give me Jason Tatum, who's underneath him. Give me Devin Booker. Give me Jimmy Butler. Give me Trey Young. Give me Donovan Mitchell. Give me Chris Middleton, who cooked him. Give me Drew <laughs> Give me Kyrie Irving. Over him, uh, Bam Adebayo. Or Chris, give me Bam Adebayo. Give me Ryan <laughs> Williamson. All right, hey, hold on. Time out, time out, bro. Time out, time out, time out. Would you rather have DeAnthony Melton or Chris Paul? DeAnthony Melton got a way better flop. name. Yeah, yeah, he he not going to flop, bro. Give me DeAnthony, bro. Damn. 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 I mean, uh, I'll put him in a 25 range. but Just because, just all right, he led his team to the finals. But then again, bro, they was already good. If you look back at what they was doing in the bubble, bro. Campaign replaced them in the playoffs, and there was no drop-off, bro. So I think if you just put a solid point guard, I mean, honestly, they probably would have won the finals if they had Kyle Lowry instead of uh, Chris Paul. Honestly, just put another point guard in that position because he folded. I don't care what anybody says in that playoff series, he folded, bro. And thir- I, th- I believe 13 is a-, a little too high, especially when he's not the best player in his team. They got Damon Booker lower down. <clears throat> I will give him credit. He had his highest assist number since 2015 with 8.9 assists. But, I, no, that's too high. Hmm. Um, I like his man. You know, I guess the NBA ranks. You know, this is a, a nationally reputable site. The, the leader in uh, sports at a, in our society right now. So I definitely think that they had, do take into consideration how these rankings will be, will be perceived by the players and, and affect their relationship with the players. So there's something to consider when they you think about are they objectively putting who they think is really the best. Um, for me, it's going to have to be Brad Beal. Um, the same way that you feel about all those guys that you would have taken over Chris Paul, I say feel the same way about Brad Beal. Give me JT over uh, Brad Beal. Give me David Booker over Brad Beal. Give me Jimmy Butler over Brad Beal. Give me Donovan Mitchell over Brad Beal. Oh, time, time, time. Um, Wasn't Brad Beal second in the league in school? He was first, I think, actually. I think no, he, Steph, oh, no, Curry, Steph was Curry was first. first. But he, he, this, this is second year averaging over 30 a game. Um, yeah, again, I kind of seem to be a, a pattern of mine to, to not have the, the biggest session for what I see as one-dimensional scores that uh, don't really offer anything else outside of the team. Brad Bill has definitely improved year by year as a playmaker. But when you have another top 30 guy on your team and Russell Westbrook and you're outside of the playoff race, for a long stretch of the season, that just caused me – that caused me to question um, your ability to contribute to winning basketball, something that we have, you know, questions about with Devin Booker. And, um, you know, he got to uh, put those to rest with his performance in the playoffs. So, um, you know, Brad Bill, he shoots efficiently. He's a, a good three-point shooter. Um, I've never seen both of those things happen with my own eyes in the game before. So, you know, I don't get around to too many Washington Wizards games. I definitely think that he, he's still a um, – all-star level guard in this uh in this league, but them have them uh the out at eleven when I would take a lot of the younger guys ahead of them just based on potential and the ability to do it on both ends of the floor right now. Um, not gonna happen. He just seems like a, a, a further a further evolved uh player. One of your favorite guys, Evan Edwards. 
gonna give you a lot of buckets. Don't know how efficient he's gonna get them to you. Um, able to facilitate in a pinch, but not really what he looks to do. He's just still of a guy that you know you can you can you can you can essentially mark down twenty five to thirty points in a box score um, and an L. So guys like that for me don't really um, don't really get top ten consideration. And with an eleven, obviously ESPN considers him a fringe top ten guy, which I don't think so whatsoever. Okay, and so with that, now who are some guys that y'all think are underrated on this ESPN top one hundred list? You know, man. I'm gonna go with a guy that's uh that was the sixth man of the year last season, and he was actually ranked 80, bro. And that's in Jordan Clarkson, bro. You know, he, he was ranked 90, bro. He was ranked 90. He was ranked 90. Yes, that's even worse, bro. But he, it goes, bro. He's he's a bucket, automatic bucket, bro. Uh, he's a cut from that Jamal Crawford cloth, bro. That Kobe cloth, you know. Kobe told him stop playing like a light skin. It changed his life, bro. He has a bit- but that's a hold on, bro. Hold on, bro. That's your second time. That's your second time. You're only two shades away from me, my boy. I'm going to need you to stop with all this light skin Drake slander. I mean, that's that. what Kobe told him to do it, and that's what he Kobe did. Didn't say- I'm yes, he did. Kobe, Kobe said it. Jordan Clarkson went and got tatted. We got the braids and started getting buckets. I'm just saying Kobe, rest in peace, Dean, may, have always, may not be the person you always want to go to for life and life. I'm just saying, Josh. I, I heard you moan when people block you. <laughs> Hey. That was funny. That was funny. I'm not going to shit loose, but this one though. <laughs> but, 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 who, who, who you think is the most underrated, John? Um, DeJounte Murray is a guy that I've, I've really liked out of uh, watching for a long time. You know, 6'5", six, 6'2", six, point guard. You know, long, lengthy, long, lanky. Um, and then, you know, come, come coming from Seattle, um, went to the same high school as Jamal Crawford, had the ability to dance with the basketball a little bit. And you know, quickly looks to be the cornerstone of that uh that first franchise, which has been historic. And with the development that Greg Popovich has put in place with him, I just see him as a guy at 83. I mean, that's just really low because he was 83 on a uh, last year's list, 2020's list, and you know, jumped in efficiency, jumped from what 10 points to 16 points a game, um, you know, from four assists to seven, like from two assists to five assists a game. And the jump in, uh, like I said, shooting efficiency, three-point percentage, and rebounds as well. You know, like how many guards can we really mark down at 17, five, five or six, seven rebounds a night? Like it's, while playing, you know, outstanding defense. I think that he's a little bit closer to what I would say, uh, like that SG, uh, it's just a little bit, it's just a little bit tough. He's, he's not in that SGA book, Donovan Mitchell tier, but I think he's definitely a lot closer. I would put him a little bit more towards 50 than 83. Um, you got a, a, an exciting young team there with him, uh, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker, and I think that he's the guy that's going to be the, uh, the, the, the the torch carrier for that team for a while. We saw him obviously in the playoff, the play-in game when they came back here to Memphis. Didn't have his best game, but um, he's a guy that you know the, the stats are starting to catch up to the potential rather quickly. And he's only what 24, so you know Dejounte Murray. That's he's a guy that I see as a all-star. If not this year, then next year, or at least an all-star replacement. Mm, that's a hot take. It might be, it might happen, but I don't think so. But you know, mm. I mean, okay. Uh, remember that year that Lance Stevenson was coming off the bench and everybody wanted him to be an all-star. Um, he averaged fourteen, seven, and four assists. So 
that's kind of been my uh, my baseline on working with all the guys that we can consider off. Because I mean, I remember that I remember that that last season in Indiana year. He he was bought. And Dejounte Murray does a lot of the same things as Lance Stevenson. It looks a little bit different because of the body type, but defense, ball handling, ability to uh, kind of have that splash play when it needs to be. And uh, Dejounte Murray, look, he, he does it as a starting point guard and does it more efficiently than Lance Stevenson does. So I know the West is packed with point guards right now. You know, well, he's talking about a De'Aaron Fox. He's talking about a John Moran, things like that, guys that are just, uh, you could say right now, are cut above him. But I think that DeJounte Murray is quickly ascending into that conversation. And I just don't think that John Moran is 50 spots better than DeJounte Murray. I'll say it like this. And so I'm going to keep it short and sweet. The one guy I had who is underrated on ESPN's list is Nikola Jokic. There's no way that league MVP should rank outside of the top five point blank period. That's all I got to say on it. But... Yeah, I mean, I give it to you. I, I won't argue Cop out to me. You could, you could, you could, you could come harder than that, Nick. You could okay. come harder than that. Okay. So you were moving to what five, first or six? You four on my list. I, I just think it's disrespectful, personally, that you were voted the best player in the NBA, and you don't even get in the top five. Just let that sink in. The best center, though. I mean. I mean, yeah, that's true. Put it like that. So it, it's semantics. I, I don't like that take. I need, I need, a, I need another one. I need another one. Okay. Well, I'm sorry you're not getting. And so now we're gonna close this episode out with our game balls. And this week I'm giving out 23 of them. I'm giving out 23 game balls. Every player that recorded a, a defensive stat for Georgia on Saturday, they get in the game ball. They held Arkansas to 162 total yards of offense. They played four quarters. And Arkansas only got 162 total yards of offense. And the longest play on offense for Arkansas is only 22 yards. Every brother that strapped him up for Georgia's defense on Saturday deserves a game ball. And that's what I'm giving mine to. All right, so game ball. I'm going to have to give it. I was going to give it to Trevon Diggs. You know, shout out to the Cowboys. Five interceptions. Looking like the best uh, defensive player in the game right now. Not only corner, but defensive player in the game. Well, I'm going to have to give it to the King of Memphis, Nicholas Hayes. Four catches, 170 yards, 26.8 yards per catch, two tutties. That's a lot of fantasy points. I'm going to have to give it to him. Thank you. You're welcome. Means a lot. Yes. No, no. I should give it to the Cowboys releasing Jalen Smith. Sorry, ass. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> hey, he's still getting that money. So he don't care what none of us say. Anyway. Yeah. But uh, ha, 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 ha. coming to the stage, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Got to get the game ball to the game, bringing them for an outstanding performance against a certain member's favorite team in this pod, in this, in this, uh, this podcast co-host situation that we got right here. Tennessee Titans, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. You feel me? We not stepping on anything that don't got the, the little Tennessee Titans, whatever. Tennessee Bites, we don't care nothing about that. Yeah, yeah. So Zach Wilson, I think, undoubtedly turned into the best rookie quarterback performance so far of the season. Not saying much because some of these rookie quarterbacks have been, and I'm not talking about Big 30 when I say that. Regardless, he has some really good throws. You know, Corey Davis, um, that late four-quarter touchdown, that's over 55 yards in the air between two defenders. 
Then also another uh, 30-yard out route perfectly placed on the sideline. So, yeah, this is the arm talent and the potential that we really got excited for when we drafted the number two at the BYU. I will always – I will still go on the record and say I'm a big Justin Fields fan. He looked okay. He looked good in that, uh, that Chicago win. But for right now, all hell that. Um, yeah, we did his thing. The, the, the defensive front, the, the highlight of our team, you know, outstanding as always, Quentin Williams, Quincy Williams, two, two, two biological brothers in the NFL on the same NFL team. This fantastic storyline going on anyways. And then um, with our fit, uh, with these next-gen stats, we had four edge rushers produce six or more pressures. John Frederick Lamar is eight. Bryce Hulk, a Memphis guy, was seven. Quentin Williams was six. And then our new free agent acquisition, Sheldon Rankins, was six as well. With Shaq Lawson dropping a nice little four piece on there to replace uh, Carl Lawson as well. So, yeah, if they're looking up in men life, you know, you're talking about Zach Wilson, his ability to make plays outside the pocket. You defeat a very good um, Tennessee Titans team. Hey, hey, bro. Bro. Let, let it out. out. Let it out, bro. Let it hey, out. Got, hey, he got to get it all out now because they're going to finish 1-16. This is only an opportunity. Thank you. I was about to say, don't do that. Don't, don't be looking at your watch. You know, this is a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm going to pop my – you feel me? So, uh, big shout-out to Game Green. Big shout-out to the Jets. You know, hopefully this is not the last time I can come on here and talk about them winning a game. And if it is, um, uh, Mr. Riley, here we come. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, for this very moment in time, I can be excited. I can say, yes, the Jets are better than Tennessee type boy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Any given Sunday. And so with that, that's how we're going to wrap our episode up. Shout out to Gang Green, whooping up on the Tigers, Woody Woo. They probably going to finish 1-16, like I said. Uh, you know, maybe y'all can play – not in the Super Bowl, but in the toilet bowl versus the Texans, depending on how the season is. Let me ask y'all this. Bro. What, what, what would happen first? What would happen first, bro? The Jets win another game or uh John Morant makes a contact dunk? John Morant making a contact dunk. <laughs> I mean way more likely to try that SEC before the Jets win another game. But I'm not gonna allow the negativity and the toxicity of my two co-hosts rain on my okay. JE Tech game grand parade. So whatever y'all talking about, I really don't care. It's Jets Nation, baby. Shout out to that boy, Zach Wilson, future Hall of Famer. You heard it here first, and that's how we rock it. All right, last question. Which one happens first? Just advance. Just get another win. Kyrie gets vaccinated. <laughs> Definitely a Jets win, because Kyrie is idiotic. So we probably got the, – the season would be over before Kyrie gets vaccinated. So. <laughs> I mean, that obviously possibly happen. Again, we could go, we could, like you said, this could be our one shining moment. But allow me to shine. Let my light shine while it's bright, brother. Stop with the negativity. You feel me? So, I'm yeah. Sorry. Who y'all got next week? Who y'all got this week? Brother, we don't focus on the future. We're, we, we live a mindset. It's right now. We're talking about right now. What do you mean? the experience of beating the Titans, brother. And all the, the people, all the people that watch this podcast, I just want y'all to know that you know I, I know my team is fine. Yes, I acknowledge it. On Sundays, I be quiet. On Mondays, I be talking again. But you know, for Sundays, I let the, you know the little winners had a little time. But when it was time for me to show some exuberation, some excitement for my team, and not excitement, especially against somebody that is a rival in the group chat, there was a whole lot of silence going on. 
So um, I would I didn't appreciate that. I, I was at work. Don't do that. Don't do I, that. I, I don't care, bro. I don't care about people who's on their phone all the time. I don't. I, I had to make all game to work. Bro. I had to make money. Money. I, I don't care. I would definitely. I definitely wanted to. Uh, I definitely wanted to pop my shit advantage face a little bit. No, he didn't. Don't worry. He didn't give me the we'll opportunity. See so. We'll see y'all again. We're gonna bid money, Cowboys or Titans. We're gonna bid money on. You. Man, you you talking real spicy. You gonna bid money? No, brother, I am. Hey, bro, I'm just like I'm like the dude in the hood that got that one knockout punch, and they're never gonna That's win another fight, bro. So you gonna you gonna let me you gonna let me get off to that? You gonna let me get off to that? For right now, yeah, I switch out my game ball. You know what? I'm gonna switch out my game ball. I'm gonna give it to you on the podcast with us, bro. Clap it up. Wow. So we got Kenneth Reed, <laughs> Jalen Smith, Wale, King Vaughn, anybody else that Nick looks like, just go ahead and throw it out here, man, for you, because you've been you've been on your you've been on your good behavior. I will not lie. You've been you've been pretty assured of yourself through the podcast. No, I mean, I'll give you this last for the most part. Yeah, man. So make sure y'all like, comment, subscribe, do all of that, and we out of here. Man, finals on OnlyFans, Patreon, Christian Mingle. Yeah. All day, all the platforms, baby. Yeah, whatever. <laughs>